0: Welcome to another episode of Inside the Oval presented by Dignity Health. This week, I'm very excited to be joined by the 49ers social media content senior coordinator, Patty Kwan. Patty, thank you for finally coming on this podcast.
1: Thanks, Haley. I've been a big fan of the series as I've promoted <laughs> most of them and so every time there's a new episode, I love to hear about my colleagues through, you know, from their perspective and listening to you moderate is is quite fun.
0: Besides promoting this podcast, what are the main responsibilities of your job? Okay.
1: Well, I guess my job as the senior coordinator (laughs) of social media content is to kind of just oversee all the content that goes out on our social channels. And so me and my manager, Johnny, handle the day-to-day maintenance of our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok for the team. And then we also have our Levi Stadium accounts and 49ers community accounts. So we handle the day-to-day. I kind of oversee our content calendar and just make sure I have key dates locked in and that we're adequately prepared for whatever holiday or birthday or, you know, football event
0: that comes up. You mentioned a lot of social media platforms there. Do you have a favorite? My favorite platform is probably Twitter.
1: And I would say that just because I'm a very, so I think when you do social media as like a career career, I don't use it very much on like my personal accounts. I'm very much like a passive observer. So I like love scrolling through Twitter like every night just to see what like what is going on in the world and and in the sports world. And I find so much joy in it because people are so creative and funny. And I follow a lot of just like kind of meme joke accounts. So I don't take it too seriously. But I, I do get a lot of news from Twitter and it is very much conversational, which I enjoy. And then Instagram is fun too. And that's a little different cause it's more visual. So you can consume news in you know, visual picturesque way or like through words. And I, I like Twitter cause it kind of has the best of both worlds.
0: When you are on social scrolling, How much inspiration for copy or trends do you actually get for your day to day, if any? Yeah, I mean, I do
1: draw a lot of inspiration from what I what is kind of popular and trendy. But at the same time, there are so many things that just get overdone. And it gets trite and it gets annoying at some point. So if we're not one of the first to hop on a trend, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know if we should hop on now. We're a little late or like, you know, is it, is it worth it? So kind of weighing like how this will build, I guess our brand and, and weighing like the pros and cons, like, Oh, are people going to be like, Oh, this was last week. Or am I going to get ratioed? Like I, I, I do look at that stuff and kind of make a conscious decision like, oh, we can get on board with that, but I will never try
0: to force anything. Getting maybe a little controversial here. In your social media history, do you have a least favorite trend? Oh, I mean, that's
1: a broad question. I think there's a lot of like TikTok trends that I don't love. I don't love the Siri voiceover thing. I personally think it's kind of creepy, but I'm trying to think of something specific and nothing's really coming to mind. I think there's a lot of trends where I like, think it's funny at first and then I see it more and more and I'm like, okay, I get it. Let's move on. Twitter allows you to do that because it is so, it, it is constantly kind of refreshing. So,
0: I'm curious, when you got to the 49ers, Instagram was a thing, Twitter was a thing, Facebook was a thing. You ha- had used those in your personal life in previously in your career as well. First, new technologies like TikTok, I am sure there are other ones. What is it like picking up new platforms when it's your job? I think it's really
1: hard because we've established such a strong and loyal presence across kind of the big three right that you had named facebook instagram and twitter that when a new one comes along you kind of have to like sit back and think okay we have an opportunity to build a new audience here but like do we have you know the resources and like the knowledge to do so because you don't want to go into it kind of blindly and you know not wanting to alienate our already existing fan base and you know with with the objective of trying to like build the next generation of faithful which a lot of it is on TikTok. in this in this case it's i think it's kind of knowing or like prioritizing those goals and like those objectives so it's kind of a balance of the two and i think embracing it and just trying to further your understanding of these new and upcoming platforms to see, okay, like this is where we see a lot of growth opportunity. Like how can we as a team dedicate the, and allocate the necessary resources to develop this specific audience? Cause every platform has a different audience and they consume content differently. And so I think you need to have a really good understanding of that in order to kind of maximize and optimize your presence there.
0: For something like TikTok, because you age-wise aren't necessarily in the demographic that or the target so audience, <laughs> I mean, I'm older than you and I definitely <laughs> am not in the age range. So what did you guys do to get on the trends, learn TikTok? Did you focus group it?
1: We did focus group, <laughs> actually, which is like really funny. We gathered some of our executives, kids. So we had, you know, some like 11 to like 15 year olds, maybe, <laughs> and we sat with them in, in a conference room and we were like, what is this TikTok that the kids are talking about? And. What do you want to see from us? And we had a really good conversation. And it's so interesting because their perspective is coming from like a personal account. Like, oh, I do dances and like I do all these trends. And I'm like, that would be hard to get like players on board with like doing some of these things. But we did have a focus group. They were super insightful, super helpful. If I ever pass them in the halls, I'm kind of like, hey, what do you think of our TikTok? (laughs) Uh, It has has, uh, been a while since that's happened. But actually, my manager, Johnny, who's older than the both of us. Sorry, Johnny, has kind of been spearheading the TikTok effort. Like, I think when you enjoy an app or a social platform personally, it makes it that much easier to, like, do it for your job. And so I haven't necessarily gravitated towards TikTok yet. Maybe not ever, (laughs) but, you know, I'm with Instagram being one of my top two kind of platforms. I like the reels function, which kind of mirrors TikTok or maybe competes with it. But you know, I think it's a great product that you already have people in the Instagram app, why not give them another kind of outlet to create content and put it out. So yep, that's TikTok.
0: When you you graduated from UC Santa Barbara, when you graduated, is this what you expected to be doing? Was this your end goal?
1: No, <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't know that like, so, like social media, the landscape of it has changed so much since I graduated, what, like five years ago. So I graduated with a degree in communication. And that was like very, like a very broad major, which I enjoyed because I think Um, It was very helpful in terms of, you know, interpersonal communication, interpersonal communication, you know, organizational comms, things like that. But as far, like, we didn't have the curriculum for, like, social media. Like, I took a social networking class, and I thought it was going to be about social media, but it was literally about, like, people. Like, people networks. Huh. And... It was really interesting. I wish I remembered more, but I thought it was going to be about social media. And I think uh, like the two are interrelated, obviously, social media is a method of like social networking. But, you know, when Instagram first came out, I downloaded it so I could like filter my photos and like oversaturate the heck out of them. And like Twitter, when Twitter for like when I first got Twitter and it's funny because I think my Twitter anniversary is like on Christmas and I was like, what? what made me want to download Twitter <laughs> on Christmas like seven or eight years ago? I don't know. But, you know, when that first came out, I was tweeting really random things and I've actually gone back and not even bad things, just like really random. Like I'm going to the market or like, I'm listening to this. Like just super, like no one cares type things that I thought were funny. And I would kind of just like put it on Twitter. It's it's just crazy to think that, It has become the vehicle that it is today. So no, I didn't think I was going to go into this field back in 2016, but I'm glad I'm here.
0: Do you remember that just it made me think of having accounts kind of before now. Do you remember what the first social media platform you were on? Were you a -er, MySpacer, Facebooker?
1: Yeah, so my parents did not let me have my space and I was like super bummed about it. But I did get on Facebook, which is another one where it's like I was posting random statuses (laughs) about like, you know, what I was doing and stuff and like uploading really weird photos with me and my friends where we're making funny faces or whatever. Like it was very much like I always look forward to my birthday because I was like, oh my gosh, how many people are writing on my wall? And now I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) two people right on my wall which like shout out to them but it's it's really crazy that Facebook like writing on your friend's walls or like messaging them through messenger or like seeing how many likes you could get on a Facebook photo was always your kind of barometer and now it's how can I get more than 200 likes you know on a personal account on Instagram you know stuff like that like 10 likes on a tweet for me is a lot so it's just, it's so crazy how trends and change and like things kind of phase out. But like I said, like each platform still has like a specific audience. So, you know, like I see my aunts and uncles on Facebook and they're still going strong. So, you know, maybe they don't go on Twitter or Instagram, but they're, you know, they're the kind of Facebook demographic.
0: You touched on it earlier that running a personal account and a company account are very different. While you were in college, what did you do to add experience to your resume so that you could kind of get into the field you're in?
1: Well, when I actually went into college, I thought I wanted to be in broadcast journalism. And so I kind of picked communication because it was broad enough that I was like, you know, this is, I think, a good background to have. But I think a lot of What's going to stand out is my internship experience. And so I also knew I wanted to work in sports. And so I got involved in the UCSB Athletics Department. And I think my first internship was doing marketing for, like, the men's soccer team. And by marketing, I mean, like, literally printing out flyers for (laughs) upcoming games and, like, cutting them, like, thousands of, like, little flyers and putting them on people's windshields. Like, it was so... When I look back, it was like, it seems like archaic almost. I was just handing out flyers for people to go to soccer games. And it was like really bizarre. Um, But that was like kind of my first intro into like sports marketing. It was very, I mean, like I said, I don't know how many people do that anymore. But
0: to be fair, we did when we did, we sent the, we took posters all over the Bay Area.
1: Yes. But I think a huge driver of that was Then posting those on social media, you know, like that was the element we were missing back then. It's like I was literally just putting things on people's windshields, Um, and I don't. And you can't measure the return on that. But you know, in addition to that, I, for some, for some, um, for like a job, for like some extra cash flow, I was a, a women's basketball equipment manager, and so while I was an equipment manager, I was, you know, helping during practice and stuff like that. But they also put me in charge of like the Instagram and Twitter. So it was like my first experience doing social for like a job. And I think we maybe had less than 100 followers or something. And I would, I would take photos on my phone, and just post them with like, whatever caption I could think of. I wonder if they're still there. I haven't really checked. But that was kind of my first intro into sports social. And then, you know, other things that I did in college, I was, I did a video production internship my senior year. And so we would film highlights during basketball, soccer, volleyball games. And then we'd cut little highlight reels to do to post, upload to YouTube, like post game into the website And so I did that and then I was also um, I also was on the radio team and I KCSB sports team. And so I covered a few games and did, you know, play by play color, that kind of stuff. I have a recording somewhere. I, I don't know, but it was that was a lot of fun. I remember the one game that I did. It was against Hawaii and it was like the biggest game or something. forget the implications. It was like back and forth. A guy lost a tooth and I was doing like play-by-player color. And I was like, I think there's a tooth on the floor. And, you know, and then we won, I think by like one. So that was really exciting. That was my first time, um, which, you know, I was much bolder back then to do such a big game for my first one. But I think all of those things are kind of, you know, interconnected. Like when you're on the, I guess, content creation side, whether it's like audio for like radio or video for site YouTube, knowing how that works on the back end, I think kind of helps you in promoting it publicly, like public facing. So I think there's ways to like tie your experiences and your internships to like careers that you want to get into. And so I think it just helped that I knew I wanted to go into sports that I New to get involved with like the athletics department, obviously like broadcast journalism, social media are very different avenues. So, you know, I, I think just knowing to get into sports in the first place ha, had helped me in getting to like where I am now.
0: When did you transition away from broadcast journalism?
1: So I'd gone to like, I'd like networked and I talked to some broadcast journalists and particularly Asian American broadcast journalists because I didn't see a lot of them growing up and so I thought like oh I want to be in this space where we're not well represented and so you know getting their perspective and they were all very helpful and insightful but I think the reality was like a lot of things are going digitally like I don't I don't know if as like a career path, like how viable it is, especially when you're kind of a marginalized or underrepresented group in this industry. And so I think in being realistic, it wasn't discouraging. It was more so like, okay, like how am I thinking long term? Like how how am I going to do this, you know, without the broadcast journalism background? And I think a lot of it is being creative. Like if you talk to what you did, you talk to Kiana and I think she really wanted to do this and she did it. And so a lot of it is like taking the initiative to like make your real, do your standups and things like that. And I think the more I did it, like the less comfortable I was with it. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and so I think that's just a lot of like kind of trial and error and talking and networking with, with, with people who have similar interests or in the field and you just getting – kind of a reality check from them. And that's not to say like I was discouraged from from pursuing that. I think it was more so I didn't – like I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how much I wanted to do it. And, and you know, all those steps I previously mentioned, it was like, okay, maybe I don't want to do it, which is fine.
0: So 2016 rolls around, you graduate. What was your path then – to the 49ers. So, after I
1: graduated, I was job hunting like regularly. And I didn't get my first internship post grad until like 6 months after graduating. So, it was like a really long process. It was a lot of like applying through Teamworks or Indeed or all these job boards and maybe getting like an interview here and there and then just it kind of fizzling out. And so I found an internship for social media trainee with the Sacramento river cats. And I had like never heard of them, but I was like, Oh, they're in Sacramento. Like I have family friends in Sacramento. Like I think this could, it's not too far from LA where I'm from. I was like, okay, I think this could work if I were to get it. So I applied um, and they reached out to me and we had a really good phone call. They gave me a project. I thought I completely knocked it out of the park. Um, and then they called me, they were like, You get the internship, and I like moved to Sacramento within like a week. So I was with the Sacramento Rivercats doing social media for like a verified account, and I was there for a whole season. And that I people who work in minor league are rock stars because they do so many things. Like I was making like graphics and you know my Photoshop skills, they're (laughs) abysmal. And so like, they were literally having me make like social graphics um, and and like if I had an idea, I kind of had to do it myself or like if someone had time, they could help me. But it was very much like I was filming videos and cutting them in iMovie like on my own. Like, not great, but at the same time, this is still 2016 when social was still, you know, slowly becoming the powerhouse it kind of is today. So, in all fairness, I think it was kind of normal for that time. Anywho, that kind of gave me the experience of, like, running uh, social accounts for a verified... Entity and professional sports team because they are professional. Um, uh, even though it's you know minor league, we still have you're still working with players, some of whom are rehabbing, who are from the big league. So like you're still you know interacting one on one with guys, which is what I, like what I do now. And all that's to say that that experience I think really helped transition into where I am now, which is, like, uh, my season was over. I saw that the Niners were hiring a part-time social media coordinator. I said, let's apply, and the rest is kind of history. I was like, let's just go further up or, like, further out towards the coast. Um, I'm already in California. Like, let's just see where this goes. And so that happened in... 2017, and I've been here since.
0: (laughs) I think there's a stigma around taking internships or part time positions after graduation. I think there's that idea that you do that in college, and after college, you need, like, you somehow we all need to graduate with a full time job offer. I did both of those. I had an internship and a part time position after I graduated. Do you think those experiences prepared you for your current role, made you better at once you got full time? Absolutely. And I,
1: you know, we've been in this boat together, but I, there is such a statement. I remember feeling like kind of a failure post-grad. I was like, I have a degree, like, why can't I get a full-time job? I think I was, I've been fortunate enough that You know, I've had a support system that has been like, if this is what you want to do, go do it and make it happen, no matter kind of what it takes. And so, like, my parents and my family kind of, and my friends kind of urged me to like take these positions and to fight through them, even when they were tough. Because, like, I think that was like the carrot at the end of the stick was like a full time job. And so, when you're working towards that and it's like, Oh, it's coming, but we're not quite there yet. Like it is very easy to get discouraged, but I think, I think really having the support system to push you to do it, it made doing all of that kind of worth it to get to where we are now. So I, I think also the tide is kind of turning where people are seeing that there is Value in these internships and part time positions. And, you know, I think a lot of internships are now paid, which is great because it's like labor, it's time. Time is money. Like, I don't get it, but things are trending positively toward so that people can take on these roles and get this experience and not run themselves dry. I think, I think things are really trending positively. And it, I mean, you know, it wasn't easy for to to get to full time. But I think, you know, the the struggle is real, but it, it is kind of worth it in the end and to see and look back and realize kind of how far you've come and like what you've gone through to get to this point.
0: So for people who want to work in social media, want to work in sports, what's your like number one piece of advice for them. I'm sure people DM you all the time asking how you got your job.
1: Yeah. I mean, how I got my job was kind of like timing, which is like so cliche. <laughs> like timing is everything. <laughs> like I know that couldn't be more cliche, but it really was. And I guess for advice, I think there's just so much information out there now and there's just so much um there's a lot of people willing to help. And so I think if you're trying to get into this field, arming yourself with like the knowledge and the, um, professional networking is really beneficial in helping you jumpstart or get to that career that you want to get to. I think also, um, you know, not everyone can say they have worked for like a brand cause like we were talking about earlier, uh, running a brand social versus a personal social is very different that's not to say like oh like because you have a person like you, you only run your personal account you can't do a, you wouldn't be able to do it there's just so many transferable like skills and it's just it comes kind of with with practice and you know if there's something you're passionate about you know and you want to get into sports social like make create an account for it and run it yourself like I think there's uh, ways to get really creative with it and to be really self kind of have that like self-starter, self-sufficient mindset so that when employers look at your your stuff, they're they're impressed, even if you don't necessarily have that professional experience. I think it still gives you something to, to show.
0: Running the 49ers account specifically between you, Johnny Meg, you post probably 365. Is there a time of the year a day, something that you like covering the most looking back at this will be your fifth season for four years? What is it? Oh, man.
1: I think that's, it's so hard because covering it on social and like experiencing it live are very different feelings. So like, for instance, my favorite memory with the Niners is winning the NFC Championship in 2019. And covering that was stressful. (laughs) Like (laughs) it was a great experience because we won. But like leading up to that was, you know, there's there's a lot of excitement pregame and I love getting guys reactions and dancing on the field and stuff like that. And then when you're in game and I was tweeting in that instance, you're like, okay. all eyes are on our social in addition to the game. Like social is kind of like that that friend that you watch a game with. So I try to stay away from like play by play and do more kind of reactionary, like, you know, what if what would your friends say if they were with you? So I mean it's stressful. Like I remember like my first game live tweeting and I was like very nervous. But you obviously get used to it. I'm totally not answering your question on my favorite event I've covered. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but let me ask you, what's your favorite event?
0: I mean, I think broadly it would just be game day. Like I think for me, game day is one of those things where it just feels so different from my everyday job. But then like right now we're We're prepping for training camp. So might be training camp. It's not draft. That's all I have to say. It's not draft.
1: Draft. (laughs) Draft is always really stressful, I think. But actually, this was this past year was my first draft. And it was actually kind of fun, like being on the ground for it. And even though it was a little different.
0: Yeah, because you were in Cleveland.
1: Yeah, so I was I was in Cleveland. And I think in years prior, we've had a team like when we've had top 10 draft picks we've had a team backstage but obviously this year access was different and so I I remember watch like I'm in Cleveland but I'm in the media room which is like you know not near the stage and I'm watching it on screens like who we're drafting like I'm there but I'm not but it was it was cool when when we saw that and I got to meet Trey and and we kind of went through his his kind of media tour. So that was actually really fun to cover. You know, to your point, game day is a lot of fun because it is just so much different from our day to day. Like, I think there's a lot of kind of mundane things that happen. And, you know, if it's not a huge news day, but like game day is always like every game in the NFL is so important that you kinda have to go into it with this mindset of like, okay, we're gonna knock it out of the park today because we only have X amount of times to do so each year. So I don't know, they're all great events.
0: I wanna go back to Cleveland quickly because it was raining and you weren't thrilled about it. But do you have any other working game days, working, I guess, any event the 49ers have hosted where the weather made your job harder?
1: Yes. I'm a huge weather person. Like, I will look at the weather a month in advance. I mean, you've lived in California your whole life. Exactly. I've lived in California my whole life. Very spoiled with the weather. Totally get it. Um, I guess there's two. And so I didn't start traveling until the 2019 season, which was a great season to start. Um, Tampa Bay was the hottest place I've ever been. Like, it was so hot. And not only that, it was so humid that day that I was like, oh, my God, how do people live here? So, Tampa Bay was so really hot. On the flip side, Washington, D.C., the 2019 Mud Bowl was very wet. <laughs> I don't even remember if it was cold, but I think it was more so that it was, like, pouring rain and we're, like, standing in mud pregame. And um, shout out Austin Moss and Rob Lloyd because they got me a raincoat, which I foolishly (laughs) didn't pack. Like, as much as I had looked in advance at the weather for DC, I did not pack a raincoat. So shout out those two guys for getting me a raincoat so that I could kind of cover some stuff pregame. But that was awful. I totally underestimated, like, how – I mean, I clearly wasn't prepared for the rain. And so – we, we had these infamous hefty twos, which are trash bags that we tied, like we wrapped around our socks and then put our shoes in, like we wore our shoes with so that our socks wouldn't get as wet as they already were. So that was fun. Um, and then after I shot pregame, I went upstairs to the press box and I changed in the bathroom and then I got to tweeting. So it was like kind of damp.
0: When you have a game where there's rain, I think everyone's biggest fear is that their phone's going to get wet or fall in water or just break somehow. They're not the sturdiest things in the world. How do you go about doing your job when it's on your phone when it's pouring rain?
1: You know, I don't know. I I think I did a lot of, like, wiping it on my pants, which were also wet. <laughs> and so I think a lot of it was, like, going – under the like back into the tunnel where it's dry to like kind of wipe it somewhere and then look and post so it was kind of a lot of back and forth like all right i'm capturing this i'm just gonna capture a bunch of things and then i'm gonna go under the tunnel post some things and then i'm gonna go back out so it was a lot of just back and forth like we don't have like the rain covers that like you know a photographer or like a videographer would need so it was I don't know. It was kind of like survival of the fittest for content is what it felt like. But
0: thinking of happier times upcoming, Levi Stadium has eight games, hopefully, well, 10, including preseason. Hopefully they're all good weather. What's your typical game day routine? We typically get into the office
1: maybe two or three hours pregame just to get set up. And so You know, between me, Johnny and Meg, we'll usually have someone down on the field in game and then we'll have two people in the press box um, to do like Twitter or Facebook stuff. So if I'm tweeting that game, I'll come in, I'll set up my stuff in the press box. Um, We have a lot of posts that need to go out pregame. So, you know, I'll tee those up and get any graphics that are coming through and get those out. The beauty of social is that you can take it on your phone. And so I do like to spend pregames on the field, getting guys coming out of the tunnel, getting them, in, you know, in 2019, getting them with fans, getting dances, just kind of fun on the field stuff so that fans who aren't at the game can feel like they are. So I like to do that pre game. And I'll usually do that through until um, like Anthem, and then I'll kind of head back up and get situated. And then, you know, the tweeting begins. And so we we have gifts prepared for plays and for specific guys that I have queued up if it's a certain matchup. Like, for instance, for like our throwback matchups, I have a running list of like 90s slang or like... 90s pop music, 90s movies, just so I can like constantly be thinking about, okay, if so and so makes this play, I'm going to use this reference or whatever, just to keep things kind of, kind of fresh, which is 90s slang. A plus effort there. (laughs) Just because it's every, like I said, every game is so important that I feel like sometimes it can get a little repetitive that I'm always trying to think of like how to, how to spruce things up. So I'll usually have that. So like some prep, some prep work the night before. Um, And then, you know, post win, usually go down to the field, get guys coming off the field, get them with fans, get shout outs, all that stuff is a lot of fun. And then doing pressers, which you know, very well, and getting you know post win, there's always so much content that goes out post game. You know takeaways, quote roundups, fun victory graphics. Like there's there's a lot of things. And so you know I think a, a game day's you know not twelve, like ten hour days. I don't even remember
0: something you didn't mention in that lineup was before you head out on the field, you put on your beautiful tan vest. Uh, I want to know, I think the only positive I've seen of the vest is that it has big pockets. What do you stock in the pockets on game day?
1: (laughs) I will usually have my portable charger. I always keep that thing on me. And I guess depending on the weather, well, I'll usually have like some Kleenex on me because I feel like I'm constantly blowing my nose. Um, and then, I guess, depending if I had eaten or not, I'll have, like, a snack. Like, I think for the Pac-12 game, I had some popcorn in there that I was kind of eating on the sideline. Um, but, you know, I'll keep, like, a cliff Bar in there if I know I'm going to get hungry or something. So, very functional. But I think also, like, if you're running, like, across the field or something, you're vulnerable to, like, lose things from those pockets. So, It's kind of a – there are pros and cons to this thing.
0: Do you have – when Johnny was on the podcast, we talked about he's gotten hit by a football. He's gotten hit by a player. Do you have any sideline mishaps?
1: I do. So speaking of running down the sidelines, um, I remember one year I was running to the other side of the field, and we had a network camera behind our bench. And I think my sunglasses were, like, hanging on my shirt. And so we're like running and I'm running alongside like other studios, people and photographers. And like, this was back in 2018. So it was like kind of crowded back there and there's not a lot of room and you kind of have to go before this network camera moves. And so I'm running my sunglasses fall and I like look back and they're like, no, you have to keep going. Cause this camera's like this, (laughs) the camera guy is literally like moving behind you. So like if you, there's no turning back. So I was like, so I get to the other side. I'm like, oh, I wonder what happened to my glasses. And then during like a timeout or something, I go back and I'm asking like the security people like, hey, have you seen like a pair of sunglasses? And this lady's like, oh, these ones. And they are like flat. Like my <laughs> sunglasses were completely flat. I was like, now I got to work this game with the sun in my eyes. I mean, no, it was it was just it was really sad because it couldn't go back for them which I think was the hardest part so yeah I you know not as serious as like getting hit by a ball but my sunglasses got run over by a network camera
0: and it's not on film so you don't even have the posterity of it
1: oh that's so true yeah I know Johnny's like famous Johnny is wide receiver one Um, (laughs) I was hit in practice actually the other day and I dropped my phone I have a funny video of it but
0: I mean, your job is dangerous. That's what we're learning.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'll be on the sideline and like a play will happen like five yards in front of me. And if they're still coming and I know they're going out, I'm still going to move back, even though they're like out five yards ahead of me. Like, I don't play around with it (laughs) because I was talking about this with someone and I was like, the one thing I don't want is to ever be that person that like stops a game. And obviously, like when that happens, it's not their fault because like, that just happens. But I just I would not, you know, want a game to be paused because my reflexes are slow, or something like that. So I'm knocking on wood that like that doesn't happen this year. And that, you know, I'm like, literally just, you know, doing my job and not drawing any attention to myself.
0: Yeah. Moving to like, a slightly different note. We've talked about this. One of the things I really admire about you is that you've been very involved in the 49ers new AAPI ERG and vocal in using the organization's platform to post about issues like AAPI violence, Black Lives Matter, and then even the state's mask up campaign. How has your perspective on teams using their social media platforms for issues changed, especially over 2020, which I think everyone can say was a vastly different year to the ones previously.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it is so important to use our platforms for that social change and that social good kind of component. You know, I see our players doing it all the time. And, you know, not just our players, but players across different leagues, and they're They have such a huge network and a a huge platform that people listen to them. And so, you know, I, I always think of our platforms as like a conduit to our players. So I think it's really natural when our players are standing up for these issues for the team to do so as well, because our job is to promote them and the team and when they're doing that stuff themselves, it just makes it that much easier and more organic to do it from the team account. Um, And, and I think the great thing is like, none of it is forced. So much of it is top down where, you know, when, when the stuff in the Bay was happening with Asian Americans, it was, there was no question we were going to do something. It was just, you know, how are we going to present it and, and the timing of it and making sure it struck the right chord. So I think we have a lot of support from from leadership to to do to do these things and 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 that's what makes this such a great organization to work for and you know I'm proud that people call that out like you know I've 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 asked people hey what do you think of our socials and they're like hey I love that you know in addition to football like you also post about social issues and i'm like i love that that stands out for you because that just means that we're doing it consistently and that we're doing it because it's the right thing to do and it's and it's natural like i i think um like you said 2020s taught us a lot and it's a lot of that is like what really matters and i think what really matters is people so you know there's still a lot of work to be done and as much as I like, like, you know, it's sad when you have to put out a statement about a fan being racist towards another player. Like, I, I never hope to do that again. But just knowing that we're going to stand up against racism and we're going to fight for equality among marginalized communities, I think is really encouraging.
0: You were responsible for the incredible, let's just like double underline that tweet, be a saint, grab a mask. For that one, it was really funny. For the one, there are many social justice posts that are not funny. How do you walk the line in terms of tone? Because I think a lot of people think social media is a little lighter on um, that side. But how do you walk that line? Yeah, I think it
1: really depends on like the subject. So for the uh, be a saint, grab a face mask, that initiative came came from, like, the governor's office. And it was, you know, the ask was for all California teams to post something about wearing a mask. Which, like, is kind of a no-brainer, right? Like, at that time, everyone should have been wearing a mask. Like, it wasn't even political. It was just, like...
0: That was the world we were in.
1: Right. And so when I start thinking, I just do a lot of word association. So I was like, masks, like we use masks in football. We use face masks. Oh, remember that time? Like George was, you know, dragging guys and someone was grabbing his face mask. Like, so as soon as that word association was happening in my head, I went back and I watched like the 49 hours from New Orleans and I saw the clip and I slacked our studios team and I was like, I need this clip. I slacked it to Johnny. I was like, can we put the graphic at the end of it or something? And then me and him were slacking back and forth like copy. And then I was like, what about like be a saint, grab a face mask? Is that too savage? And he was like, no, I think it's fine. And so we like posted it, not thinking anything of it. And then it just like blew up. And I was like, well, at least, you know, like it's a great message. So that's what I, that was kind of the the balancing was like, be a savage, but for the greater good, like it, that was like a very specific instance. But I think in, in, in terms of the other issues that are more, not that that wasn't a serious issue, but I think that was one where you could, people would relate to it or like find it entertaining and like understand the message behind it. I think for some of these other ones, it's like. At the end of the day, it's about, it's about people. And so, you know, if something happens in the community, we, we we'll go dark, like we won't post on social all day. And so we're constantly aware of what's happening in our society because all of that impacts, you know, what happens everywhere else. Like it is all kind of like, everything is interrelated.
0: I think something that goes along with tone though, is perspective I know when we were talking a long time ago about broadcast journalism and not feeling like you had people who you could relate to or represented you, that isn't necessarily that far off from where you are now as an Asian American woman working on an NFL sports social media team. How does that inform kind of your decisions or your ideas or wanting to post or not something on a team social
1: yeah well i think in the case of um the hate crimes that were happening against um asian americans i think something like that hit home because i was thinking like what if that was my grandma or grandpa and when you have that personal connection it's really easy to feel that way but at the same time like the social accounts are not for my personal, it's not for my personal gain in that sense. And so, you know, I talked about it with my colleague, Jamie, who work, who does social media for the Rams, who's also an Asian American woman. And I was like, hey, what are you guys doing about this? And, and we, you know, we've been in constant communication about stuff like that because, you know, it shouldn't take having Asian Americans on your team to speak out against racism and hate. And, you know, our CMO, Alex Chang has been, he's one of like the only Asian American C-levels employees in the NFL. And I worked really closely with him because we were like, we need to do something. Like this is happening in the Bay. This is happening, you know, to, to elder. It's like, it's it was a pandemic within a pandemic. And so I think a lot of it was, was communicating with, with him and with my colleagues and seeing like, what would strike the right tone coming from us. And I think it, like I said earlier, like it was natural and organic because we're the Bay Area's team and these are our fans and these are our people in our community that are being affected. And so that was something that I never thought I would ever have to do publicly, I guess, um, but something that like made sense. And as far as like other social justice issues, it's really, like I said earlier, like it comes top down and I think the sentiments shared by leadership are shared by a lot of us. And so we have that support that like, we're going to make a donation we're going to make a statement or a stand on something like we're going to back it up. So, and like I said earlier, like when your players are advocating for something, like it makes it easier to amplify their voices and to uplift them from a team side as well. Far as representation goes, like there is a lot of work to be done and i'm encouraged when i get people reaching out to me on you know twitter or linkedin who are other you know women of color who want to get into this industry and i think we're seeing you know a shift in in kind of the dynamic because i think people are now realizing like i can do this like it's not just a boys club like there are you know, there are trailblazers out there who are doing this and are doing it at a really high level. And so I'm encouraged. And I, while I there, I'm one of a few Asian American women in the league, like I, I think things are trending positively. And I think, you know, in five years, it's going to look really different because I think people are going to realize the opportunity that's there.
0: In your time here, you've posted mask PSAs, you've been on a panel for Eric's Armstead um, academic project, you were a video feature for International Women's Month, you've worked, uh, let's see, CFP, Red Box Bowl, Pac-12, Super Bowl. On every job posting, there's that uh, uh, ominous other duties as assigned. Have you done anything with the 49ers you weren't expecting to do?
1: I once had to give a tour to a like soccer legend he was visiting because the museum had a partnership with like a museum from Europe and he was here promoting it and I don't know how but I somehow gave this (laughs) I was somehow in charge of giving this soccer legend a tour of Levi's Stadium and I don't remember what year this was but I was not as versed in the venue as I am like now Um, but that was interesting because I didn't know what I was doing but he was fine and was very kind about it uh, and patient with me that was interesting was giving a tour to like a soccer legend huh what else what's yours
0: I think mine is we um, before the NFC championship game had uh, in celebration of Nick Bosa's sliding celebration from the mud bowl. uh, We did like a slip and slide event at Levi's and I was responsible for like finding slip and slides and like going to like warehouses by myself in the middle of nowhere to look at them. So I I never would have thought I was gonna do that. Also, I never thought I would have a podcast, so
1: here we are. Here we are. Um, I'm trying to think of the other ones because I feel like there's a bunch that I just don't. Maybe they're normal by this point, but
0: as I say, my favorite, one of my favorites of you was when you were a bobblehead photographer.
1: Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> Which is. You know, I have that bobblehead photography experience because of my work in minor league baseball where I was taking pictures of our promo items on the field with my phone and posting them. So, yes, yes. bobble Bobblehead photographer, face of MIM.
0: Face Mem.
1: of um, Member inclusive menu. You
0: were um, a plant so guys would go into the unscripted booth. Oh, <laughs>
1: trying to field guys into a booth so that they could talk to a camera. Yep. Yep, we did that. Um, I got our dog verified on Instagram, which was cool. Um, at the 49ers Frenchie. Love Zoe, love Ricky. What else have I
0: done? Did you do the Joe Staley apron shoot? Yes, like I, Yes, I was in the back.
1: That was fun as well. Those are kind of like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't usually like being on camera, but I like being in the background cuz I like knowing
0: like, oh, I'm right there. As someone who doesn't like being on camera but is usually in the back of photos, do you have a photo or a moment that sticks out to you of being in the back of some like either important photo or funny photo?
1: Um, I think you know which one I'm going to talk about, but
0: I don't know. So many just went through my head that I don't know which one you're going to say.
1: There's this photo of me that's out there where like Jimmy is like has his hands up because we had just won. And I remember this vividly because I was like on the field post game. And I think I was talking to Johnny or something. And I started walking like backwards. And then I felt this gush of like wind behind me and i turned around i was like oh my god it's jimmy like i almost ran into jimmy so my face in that photo is like very shocked and very like oh like that could have been bad i've seen it on like articles and like podcasts creative i wish they would just edit me out but it's really 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 bad did you ask about bad ones and good ones or just bad ones do you have a good one that you thought of? Um, no, I guess there's like sometimes there's shots of like the guys and I'm like a couple feet away shooting and I'm like smiling. Those are fun. They're like little, little behind the scenes and I'm always trying to smile at them because I want them to like smile at the camera. And so I'm constantly smiling when I'm filming them just so like, you know. There's some there's some emotion there. Um, so those are good ones too. But uh no, the one that sticks out is the one where I almost walked into Jimmy and that would have been embarrassing.
0: Patty, this was so much fun. Please come back on. I could talk to you forever. We already know this, but thank you so much for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I cannot wait to promote it in the future.